You're listening to The Mix on Civ Mix, hosted by Liz Benjamin and Joe Bonia. So we are back in the mix and we're mixing it up in more than one way because there might be mixed drinks involved in this particular <laughs> conversation. I personally am not mixing any drinks. You're lame, some, lame. I'm lame. Well, I had some surgery today and I, I might've taken Excuses. some edge off, okay? All right, okay. Let's not get too judgy. So, of course, Mr. Judgmental is with us. Yes, I am AKA the Joe Bonilla, most judgmental. And also our contributor, Sylvia Lilly, is back. And we have a new guest to the mix. Do you want to introduce yourself, mystery guest? Absolutely. I'm Ginny Farrell. I'm a uh, sometimes contributor to CivMix. And um, I'm also on the Common Council in Albany and um, involved in various organizations and I during the day work for the legislature and I have three children and a dog. Okay but let's also be clear she's also a killer weightlifter queen. I do like to work out. And a serious porch drinking aficionado. I will say I I do feel like that is my most I, I, I think that I should have sponsors for that because I'm not <laughs> I, think so I think so too. Um, Joe, might we know of anyone? You know, I might think of a brand or two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what we're doing, we've convened this esteemed group to have a conversation about outdoor drinking, which that's why they're here. As I mentioned, Ginny is a porch drinking aficionado. And Sylvia recently wrote a post about outside drinking and the and the joys of strolling while drinking which they could call be, it walktails walktails walk yep. oh it's, boy it's a thing it could be it could be coffee just to be clear i mean you know it could be your drink of choice that was not alcoholic absolutely really first let us get to the news portion of this because joe this was something that you advocated for on Facebook, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, maybe all of social. Yeah, I mean, that was the the public side. I mean, obviously, there were a lot of conversations not so public. Right. But the governor did, in fact, say that he would be extending the executive order that allows for walktails, which really is to-go sales of alcohol. And one of the things that Joe, you might know about Joe and his hidden talents, is that he is an expert at the Byzantine rules of the SLA. (laughs) Byzantine, uh, archaic, uh, there's a lot of different descriptions that you can put in there. But uh, yes, yeah, so the governor has indicated that he will extend these privileges for to-go beverages, delivery, and takeout. Um, shipping, rather, uh, for another 30 days. So it will be to July 27th for that. And you know, here's, here's the important part to, in terms of the context here. Uh, we've seen other two states right now shut down on-premise uh, consumption of alcohol, Texas and Florida. Right. And these privileges to go beverages, shipping and takeout have provided a lifeline uh, for the mm-hmm. beverage industry. So therefore, folks can still enjoy those tasty beverages, whether it's cider, it's a cocktail, beer, whatever, mead, if you're really a, a fan of mead. And, uh, you know, you can do it in a safe place. And that's really what it comes down to. And a lot of these beverage producers have been able to keep their payroll uh, in, in full you know, during the pandemic because of these lifelines. So we're pretty we're pretty stoked about it. And just we're not entirely certain yet. There was another portion of that that had specifically to do with craft brews. Right. Do we know where the gov is going to be on that? For, for what? For which one? 
for craft brewing, there was an extension also for specific to, I know Nine Pin was in particular interested in, in additional aspects of what the governor had allowed. I mean, look, the governor has enormous power. The legislature gave him enormous power in March when this pandemic's hit and they are now sort of being criticized for it. We're not gonna ask Judy to weigh in on that because of her <laughs> job, but I mean, he, he's really exercised quite a bit of power and he's issued these executive orders and, you know, I mean, it's been positive. The, I don't know when we're going to get back, but is there another executive order that specifically speaks to drinking and craft brews, Joe? I mean, pretty much the, the executive order right now, as it stands, would cover everybody, whether you're a bar, a restaurant, a manufacturer of, of beverages. Um, and so that's really been the key for this, is that we want to have equity here, you know, whether you produce cider, you're a bar, your restaurant, no matter where you are in the state, these privileges are, are pretty key to keeping the industry alive during these times. So speaking of keeping the industry alive, the city then subsequently, and other communities have done this. I mean, let's not just, you know, we do want to give kudos to the city, but really we know that small businesses and independently owned in particular businesses are hurting. We know they're the backbone of the economy writ large. They make up 80 to 90% of the economy. And the industry that we're speaking of, hospitality, restaurant, beverage, really took it on the chin. So the city's been trying to do whatever it can and to, to, try, to, to help people to maintain their operations so we don't have closed businesses all over the place. And one of the things they did, speaking of closure, was close roads, close parking spaces, close, what, what's closed now exactly? There's a lot of different Sidewalks. things closed, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think it depends on where you are. Um, but, I, and I also think it depends on, I mean, they, they talked about closing all of Madison between West Lawrence and Allen, but when you talk to the actual owners, they're like, we're not sure that we could actually serve all those people, mm -hmm. um, if, if that entire street was shut down. So mm -hmm. right now the, um, those parking places are shut down. I don't know if tomorrow, I, I mean, it's supposed to start this weekend, but potentially the whole block will closed off um and and it, i mean you have to do what you have to do and the other side of it is um when you're looking at the current research on how coronavirus is spread outside is a very low spread rate so mm -hmm. you're really at a much higher danger inside so as much as you can encourage outside dining and drinking socializing um you're putting you're putting people less at risk but there is a concern, and I think some local residents did express it. I mean, they don't want, we are seeing, for example, very upsetting, a rash of violence in the city. And we are also seeing a rash of illegal fireworks, which is a real problem if you happen to be a dog owner. Mine in particular is very sensitive to that. And it, it's upsetting. And if you're a local resident, you don't wanna be every day, perhaps in the middle of a massive block party. So like striking the balance there. I mean, Sylvia, you wrote about this a little bit. Striking the balance there is important to recognize that the fabric of a community is both made up of businesses and made up of residents. And there's gotta be some kind of, there's gotta be a happy medium. Uh -oh, I, caught, I caught some flack for my piece because I was really strongly in favor of Lark Street being as closed as possible to allow restaurants an opportunity to expand their seating and maybe maybe break even. You know, I, I can't imagine how, how hard it's been for them. 
but you look at a small space like Post, which you know I'm pretty familiar with, and if they had to cut their cut their seating capacity on the inside to within the, the legal limits, I mean that leaves them with maybe three tables, four tables inside, and nobody's making money on three or four tables no. a night, you nope. know. So um, I, I think they backed off the situation on Lark Street because they, from what I understand, there were too many streets to close. There were too many barriers to be responsible for putting out and the city wasn't going, wasn't willing, it seemed, to take on that responsibility. And you can't really make volunteers responsible for making sure the roads are closed. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen in, down on Lark Street, which is unfortunate. But I think where Ginny was talking about, it's going to be, you know, a good thing. It'll be, it'll be nice for the neighborhood. I think um, the Sheridan Square thing seems to make a lot of sense. There isn't that much to close off down there either. And uh, that whole nine pin Druthers area seems like that should be pretty unproblematic because nobody lives there. Right. Um, I think if people live there, they might have a, a different perspective on it. You know, I think that it, there's something about, I mean, there's something synonymous with summer and consuming things outside. Like, I don't know, it's not just food and, and drink, but it's it's a whole, like, it's about being outside. We, well, first of all, we have so few moments in the capital region to under, to experience this. So we like to soak up all the possibilities mm -hmm. and get outside as much as we can. Then there's something about like the air, which, Freshens your appetite, which makes things seem so much more potent, like a glass of wine on the porch or a cocktail with a little cheese or a little prosciutto, <laughs> a little whatever oh, have boy. you. I mean, come on, like that's an alfresco dream, right? It's what summer's all about. And it's hard to figure out. I mean, I get why residents are, are potentially upset, but I mean, there's really nothing more to me that says summer than a cocktail or, or any kind of beverage or a meal out, shared outside. And what's even better, as Ginny pointed out, your likelihood of getting infected is very low. Right. So I, I just... Um, I think some people, at least in my experience in municipal government, there are people that, um, that will always like something and people that will always not like something. So yeah. there are people that live in the Lark Street area that love different things that happen. There are people that live in the Lark Street area that anything that happens, they're upset. And, mm -hmm. and the thing is not to, I mean, I don't live there, so I cannot speak to what's good or what's not good, but I do know from what I've seen, the way I see people react, it's a consistent thing. The same people seem to like it. The same people seem to dislike it. So, and it's the same thing that I found in my area and elsewhere. It's just different people have different tolerances for things. Mm -hmm. And and that goes from like their neighbor's lawn being mowed to, or not mowed to anything. So I, you know, I think that some people you will never make, ha they, they don't like having things there. They like having some things, but they're just not mm -hmm. gonna like um, that level. I think that Albany, I've been really considering this recently, Albany is a, a small city with a big self-esteem issue. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, you know, Albany can really, it's been on the cusp, on the verge for just about as long as I've been here. And it keeps getting closer and closer to the edge. But you have a lot of people that want all the advantages of living in a city, in an urban area, 
but they want none of the disadvantages. They want to have fabulous restaurants and, and entertainment choices, but they don't really want to have to pay $6 to park their car or right. walk more than a block. Right. And I, you know, and I think it's, it, those days are done. Like looking ahead, people, this is our opportunity to make significant changes. And I think, you know, to support businesses. And I think that's the time we're in. That's where we, what we have to do. There's also something that I, the, the, crisis, I don't like to look at the COVID crisis and say, oh, there were benefits here because, you know, so many people died. And just the other day, 41,000 um, uh, uh, new cases. I mean, they're sp we're spiking all over the country and it's terrifying. And of course, now the governor is saying, you know, if you're from one of these spiking states, you can't, we, you can come here, but we're going to lock you up for two weeks. Although how we're going to follow that exactly is not clear. And then he said also, well, we're not doing, I know I was really angry at Rhode Island when they said they were going to follow New Yorkers who, who were trying to escape. And now we are following, doing spot checks of people at the airport. So I'm not really quite clear how that's any different. But so to say that there were positives coming out of something that was so significantly challenging for so many people is difficult. But if there is a silver lining, it is it is. It has forced people to have communication and to figure out new ways of being together. And one of the ways that you can do that is in this stoop culture, which was really significant when I was growing up and spent a lot of time with my parents, uh, my grandparents, that is, in Brooklyn, and also um, on the boardwalk when I was with my grandfather at Coney. I mean, people hung out on the stoop in part because nobody could afford air conditioning. That right. was one of it. Yep. And I know, I don't know if you, you live in a historic house, right, Jenny? Do you have air conditioning? Oh, no. no. Okay. <laughs> I've got a few window units. I don't even know. I'm, my house was built in 1898. I'm sure it's possible to put air conditioning in a house like this, but you would have to be like, have just ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah, or you could do a wall unit, I guess. But like, it was, you know, it is so, you see these sort of really old school pictures of people in New York City and they're all hanging out on the fire escapes, like trying to escape from the heat. And there seems to be something here that there's a thread to pull about the creation of community that happens, be it sort of, um, you know, greased with alcohol that, you know, happens to loosen people's tongues and, and, and reduce their inhibitions or not but the positive nature of people being so damn bored that they needed to take a walk. They just, people were walking every day. I mean, I spent a lot of time at the golf course with Sylvia and we talked about this too, mm -hmm. um, not too long ago, which was a really controversial issue and now is back open to golfers, um, much to my chagrin. <laughs> Sorry, golfers. A lot of people are upset about it. I, yeah, I, mean, I know. For, I know. for as many emails as I got pro golf course, I had just as many saying like, this is actually really nice. Yeah, so, but there is something to be said about this idea of like sitting on your porch. It's like, a, maybe, maybe I'm just old. I mean, I am pushing 50. So maybe I am just like thinking of this halcyon, you know, day when we all sat on our porches and we called out to our neighbors and we brought pies when new people <laughs> moved pies in. Pies and cups of sugar and things like Personally, that. Personally, I never have received a I pie. Have borrowed so many cups of sugar during COVID. It's just, <laughs> <Did>? no. <laughs> Well, but you sit on your porch. I mean, what I do, I did that before COVID, but I will say, so in terms of my kids, um, once it was actually okay to kind of, um, socialize more and, and I've definitely always been like the type of parent to be like, go outside, go outside, go outside, go outside. But now they're like, 
you know, they're going on bike rides together. They're going skateboarding together because that's the only way that they can hang out. Like they literally can only socialize with their friends if they're outside doing something where they can be not close to each other, but see each other. So they are absolutely going and doing things all the time. My daughter takes bike rides with her friends and goes down to the Norman skill and jumps in. And I mean, it's fantastic. And would that happen without the culture that we have right now? Probably not. Maybe, but I don't think so. So I, I, I agree. I think that there's some really lovely, I think with any crisis, there's, there are good things that come from it. Um, and well, the question is also how much of this can last? Like, Joe, I can't imagine that you will not, at the end of this 30 days, not seek to make ask the, the administration to make these changes permanent. Well, there's two, I mean, there's, there's two bills up right now that would make this permanent. Right. Yeah. So and- I guess the question is, I mean, and also what changes, like I would imagine Ginny at, and at the end of a certain period of time when people have been like, whoa, you know, maybe we do need more outdoor dining space and less parking space. And you could actually park five blocks instead of one block from your restaurant and walk yourself there and get a little exercise before you eat your empanada or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're mm-hmm. gonna do. So maybe some of this will be permanent. Might there be an appetite for that? I know there's an appetite in the industry, Joe, as you mentioned, there's two, there's two, piece, there's two bills, but do you think that in particularly the kind of consternation that Sylvia encountered when she was writing this piece can be overcome? Like who's gonna win on that end? And do we see that there could be an appetite for permanent change? I think there's absolutely an appetite for permanent change. I mean, we look at other states where, you know, shipping and to-go beverages and delivery are done as done the safe, responsible way. And we've seen over these past three months, it's been done in a safe, responsible way where, you know, you have folks who, who may walk out with a beverage, which in, in, in that case, local law enforcement is supposed to do a job to, of course, enforce open container. Mm-hmm. It's not up to the licensee. So, but those are, those incidents are so few and far between, you know, so at the end of the day, I feel that we will get these two bills passed because anytime that there's a, a crisis like this or an, an opportunity to move forward this issue, this is the time to do it. And we've seen in the last 10 years, there's been a lot of different changes with ABC laws. Um, you know, we did, didn't even think 15 years ago, we, like, oh, what's a farm cidery or what's a farm distillery? So these things have happened in rapid succession in the last 15 years. So this is only a matter of time happening, whether it happens this year or next year, but it's, it's going to happen. Do you imagine that at the local level? Say that again, Jenny, I'm sorry. I was just, craft cocktails aren't the same that they used to be either. I mean, now it's not the kind of thing that you can create the same kind of cocktail that they create at a high-end cocktail place in your house because the, the ingredients that they're getting, it's not readily available. You're not, you know, it's not like they're making screwdrivers and rum and coke. Um, the, the type of things that they're making, it's difficult for you to make on your own and to have the option to actually have a few cocktails that you bring home um, and or even have for a party, you know, that to actually, instead of a signature cocktail that you go all out and you can just go like Savoy and pick up a couple of things of it. I mean, that's, I think there's a lot of benefits to that. Yeah, and- there's no, there's nothing pending at the city level though that would make any of the changes these zoning changes permanent. 
No, um, I, I mean, I, I do think there's always zoning discussions. Um, and I, I think that what we will see as a result of this is potentially expanded sidewalk usage. I don't see us losing parking spots. It's just not, um, as much as people say right now, oh, I don't mind walking, that changes yeah. real In fast. In February, when the wind is blowing and it's minus five, yep. I feel differently about right. that. Then again, it's hard to shoehorn your car in between two snow banks anyway. So, so like, just to be clear, but um, before before we wrap up, I guess like if there was one change, and I and I don't mean per, I mean I understand that we've just discussed potential legislative changes, but if there was one change that has come out of this crisis that you would like to see stay, what do you think it might be? So you want to start, or do you want me to give you more time? Um. One of the things that's occurred that I think is really cool is insurance companies, health insurance companies, if you're fortunate enough to have decent health coverage, they're paying for some things that you otherwise paid completely out of pocket for yourself in the past. Hmm. Um, I know that if you're a Peloton person or if you're a beach body person, like insurance companies are covering that. They understand that even though you're doing it from home, you're still working out. And I think that's a really great benefit that I don't know we would have other had, otherwise had. Wow, I didn't know that. I'm a Peloton person. I got to look into that. Okay. Check it out. <laughs> I will. Thank you very much. Um, Jenny, you want to go? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess for me, it's the, um, the softer changes that I hope we keep. Um, I Love feel like this. there's been... Um, you know, they, in the beginning when people were in their houses and like paying attention to their houses and doing like fun things in their houses that um, people have been trying to connect with each other more virtually. And so I, a whole bunch of people that I know have um, reached out to people that they haven't talked to and connected with in like 15, 20 years and have been regularly getting together. So I, I think the push to, um, to the virtual social side has been helpful. Mm. And um, I mean, I, I'm an in-person person, so I fully cannot wait to be like up in everybody's business and all over them. But um, <laughs> I do, I love, I love that side. And I also, in terms of municipalities, I actually, we've, on the city, we've seen so many more people engaging with our council meetings since we've been on Zoom and that matters. It just does. I mean, a different across the board. I mean, people that I don't even know are like, oh my gosh, I saw the council meeting the other night. I'm like, that was what you were watching. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's compelling live television in that way. Yeah. 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 You never know what can happen. So there you go. You never know who's going to sound off, which is always an issue. True. True. Where, you know, we can have a little. A little but also, like, I, I'll go and then I'll let you wrap it, Joe. But I really hope that a heightened sense of civic engagement and that dovetails off, off of what you just said. I mean, I know that it's, um, you know, painful for David Soares and, you know, and, and Toporowski, his challenger, to not know who won the outcome of their primary when 19,000 some odd ballots need to be counted. But to me, as a former reporter and, a, you know, a person who, who has always sort of been on my soapbox about small d democracy and the need for people to vote, the idea that people bothered to actually to, and I've said this on the on the show before, like 
you needed to get somebody to witness you signing that yeah. that document. It was not an easy thing. It wasn't just a like, oh, I can check this. It's not like the census, which by the way, here's my PSA, get you on the census. It's so easy. It's It takes two seconds. You get on there and you answer a few questions and you're done. This was actually more difficult than that. This was a this is a ballot that you had to fill out, that you had to know something about, ostensibly, hopefully you knew, that you had to put in the mail, that you had to put a stamp on, that somebody had to witness you sign. It was not, you know, a nothing kind of an, a thing. And to say that 19,000 people bothered to do it, to me, is quite heartening. So I, I hope that civic engagement, what be you, libertarian, green, conservative, Republican, Democrat, Sam party, no party, whatever. I just hope that people keep that going. And yeah, for me, I would say, you know, this time, you know, I think if, if, if it taught me anything and something that I think is good for others to hear is explore, you know, this region, explore the, have the opportunity to, to bike and hike and, and go in the waterways and lakes and rivers that we have in this area. I think that's the one thing I, I hope that others have realized that you don't need to go to a, a far off locale to be able to experience something that's maybe within 15, a half hour away from you. And I think that's the one thing that I, I hope people keep to, because I remember seeing so many different people, you know, going to different bike trails, going up to Lake George, going to Sacandaga, you know, wherever, and it, it may be not something that they would have done previously. So I think that sort of, you know, that local tourism angle, that local destination-based, you know, travel is something that I, I hope people keep up with. And the canal system's opening today. Look at oh, that. And Cooperstown is opening. Look at the, that. With uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, with, with some social distancing and reduced capacity. But still, it's happening, you know, and... And I guess I'll I'll do my final sort of nerd push before I thank everybody, oh which boy. is, you know, we do, no, it's important. What we is do it? Have to, we have to social distance. We have to wear our masks. We've got to keep people healthy. And we don't want to see ourselves spike and go back up in the wrong direction. And, you know, as much as I think that it's being leaned into quite heavily by certain elected officials, it's important. So we, um, I hope everybody continues to have a good, outdoor porch season, drinking or not drinking. And I thank everybody for being with us today in the mix. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody. Thanks. Bye. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on civmix.com.